All right, our chapter for today is Galatians chapter 3. I hope you're enjoying reading through um, this, this early letter from the Apostle Paul. And it's this chapter, really, that begins the, <clears throat> the meaty portion of the letter. Um, it's here that Paul really delves into how Jesus has fulfilled all the, the promises of the Old Testament. Most importantly, the promise made to Abraham to bring salvation to the nations. Uh, this is a wonderful and rich chapter that deserves uh, long periods of careful study and meditation. We can only say so much here, but um, let's, let's dig in and see a couple of things. Um, first, in thinking about how, what he means when he says the, that uh, the gospel preached beforehand to Abraham. <clears throat> when we talk about the gospel, we're most often referring to the message about Jesus Christ, specifically the message about what Jesus has done for us in his life, death, and resurrection for all who believe. So with that in mind, it can be sort of surprising when in verse 8 you read, and the scripture preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. In what way was the gospel, as we just laid it out, preached thousands of years beforehand uh, to Abraham, before Jesus had even come? Well, the promise to Abraham, as Paul notes, was, and he's quoting Genesis 12, 3, the promise to Abraham, Genesis 12, 3, was that in him all the nations would be blessed. It was not that God would um, multiply his offspring, but that through one particular offspring, blessing would come. That's his point in verse 16. It says, he says in verse 16, Now the promises were made to Abraham, and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. Abraham knew and trusted God's promise that through him one would come who would actually bring salvation to Jews and Gentiles alike, and thus the gospel was preached, albeit in seed form, as early as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is an important point because at the very least it shows that there has been one plan of salvation for all of human history. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were saved in the same way as Peter, James, and John, and you and me for that matter, through faith in Jesus Christ. One was a prospective faith, looking forward to the Savior who was to come, and the other, ours, is a retrospective faith, looking back to the Savior who has come. But both were trusting in the same Savior. Peter would later say, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name given under heaven among men by which we must given among men by which we must be saved. Acts four twelve. That was a promise given as early as Genesis uh, three fifteen. Um, confirmed in the promises given to Abraham, anticipated in the promise in the prophets, and realized in, in Jesus Christ, and then preached by the apostles. Paul would later say Later in his life, First um, Timothy 2, 5, there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So to think about the gospel being preached beforehand uh, to Abraham just reminds us that there has always been one unified plan of salvation uh, and that, that plan was the coming and, and work of Jesus Christ. But secondly, let's think about... Um, becoming a curse for us as he mentions later in the chapter paul makes it clear that the requirements for uh 
mediating between God and sinful men was an unspeakably difficult task. He says in verse 13 that it required becoming a curse for us. That is very specific language that those who are familiar with the biblical storyline are sure not to miss. The entire chapter has revolved around two main characters, Abraham and Jesus. Paul's main point is that the coming of Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises made to the Old, Old Testament patriarch Abraham. And it is the, somewhat bizarre at least to us, story of how God made those promises to Abraham in Genesis 15 that helps us make the most sense of, of Jesus becoming a curse for us. It would be uh, helpful, if you would, at some point to go back and read Genesis 15. It's not a terribly long chapter, and it's certainly interesting. And just to recap what happens there, God reiterates his promise to Abraham uh, that, to provide offspring in verses 4 and 5. And then Abraham says in verse 6, he believed that promise. He be Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. That's Genesis 15, 6. God promises to bring a Savior to the nations through the offspring of Abraham. And then to confirm that promise, God makes use of an ancient covenant-making ceremony that was common in that day. In that day, not to be too gruesome, but if one man made a promise to another man, uh, it was an important one, then often he would take an animal or animals and cut them in half, kill them and cut them in half, and lay the, the pieces uh, apart from each other, opposite each other, with a path in between them. Then the one making the promise would walk the path through the dead animal pieces, in essence saying, may I become like these dead animals if I do not keep my promise to you. It was a graphic way of confirming a promise, and it was confirming the promise through calling down a curse on yourself if you don't keep your word. And it's that ceremony that God himself uses with Abraham. God takes it upon himself to fulfill the promises, and he himself, in Genesis 15, 12 through 17, he, God himself passes through the animal carcasses. God calls the curse upon himself if either party is disobedient to the covenant. Abraham and his descendants were constantly disobedient to the Lord and thus deserved the curses of the covenant. But God himself had already, through the ceremony, promised to bear that curse upon himself. Hence, when the Lord Jesus Christ came, he saved us, according to Galatians 3.13, by becoming a curse for us. He bore the curse so that we would not have to. And that's a beautiful thought from Galatians chapter 3.